You're listening to The Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. We're a community of recovering people who have overcome the odds and found the courage to change. Each week, we share stories of recovery from substance abuse, eating disorders, grief and loss, childhood trauma, and other life-changing experiences. Come join us no matter where you are on your recovery journey. All right. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change, a recovery podcast. My name is Ashley Lowe Blassingame, and I am here with Christiana Kimmick. Hello. And Ashley Joe Brewer, who is also AB. So she's AJB. Hi. Ashley is our production coordinator. We hired her for this season because the podcast is growing. So season three, you will be hearing her story and much more from Ashley. Ashley? You want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am Ashley Joe Brewer, the super fan that you guys brought on to help with the show. <laughs> Love <laughs> and it. I, I could not be more excited to be here and to be joining joining the show and helping with this. This has been instrumental in my own recovery, so I'm beyond excited to be here. Which is so crazy to us because we hear these, we hear these like testimonials or these stories, people saying like, "Oh, this helped my recovery so much." And now you're working with us and it's the coolest thing ever. You'll laugh at this. I literally told my sister when I had an interview with you, I was like, I know that like she's not a celebrity, but I feel like I'm meeting a freaking celebrity and she's going to like be on video in front of me and be interviewing me. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. That's amazing. I'm glad somebody thinks I'm a celebrity. My kids think, <laughs> my kids think I'm the maid. Um, so... <laughs> That's amazing. And now you get to see how the sausage is made. So hopefully it'll still help your sobriety. (laughs) (laughs) It will. It's great. I'm excited. Uh, Oh my God. It's so, well, we're so excited to have you. So you'll hear us uh, referencing AJB. You'll hear her as AJB. You'll hear her as Ashley Joe. Uh, if she happens to reach out to you, if you're a potential guest, then she'll introduce herself as Ashley Joe, quote unquote, the Ashley behind the scenes. So we're so excited and we're hoping that we can get Ashley Joe on some more recordings as well, especially as I make my maternity leave exit soon. <gasps> I know. It feels weird. Okay. So by the time this episode comes out, we're, when are you you going on maternity leave? So it'll probably be a month ish. We'll see. A month to a month and a half. Yeah. We'll see when she comes out. Yeah. After this episode comes out, probably if we're going by due date, month and a half. If we're going by the fire that I feel in this child, I think she could come a teeny bit early, but we'll see. I don't know. She's the first, she's my first. So I don't, I don't know how this goes. I have no clue what I'm doing. Yeah. None of us do. <laughs> Which is so refreshing, but it makes me even more thankful to have Ashley Joe AJB on. She's done such an incredible job and you guys will definitely be hearing more from her. She fits so perfectly in with the team. She's got the sweetness and she's got the incredible humor and and you will be hearing from her specifically in a couple of weeks because she is sharing her story and it is phenomenal and we're so excited for that episode to come out we've already recorded it so we're kind of like hanging on to it right now but it's phenomenal. She Ashley is in recovery and she shares her very intimate story with us and shares a lot of details and and we're really thankful for that. I almost called Maury Povich after. And there's <laughs> only only 20 swear words, so I apologize in advance. <laughs> <laughs> only 20 swear words. We're going to make her a t-shirt. <laughs> two two ums, 20 fucks. Yep, that's what it is. It's going to say I'll that. take it. I will take yeah. it. I, I, it's, I think, listen, some of these stories we're talking about, I feel like if you aren't saying fuck, then it's just like not an appropriate story. Right. My, my parents are so straight laced and I've said to them multiple times, like there are some times in my life and my story where there is no other word to describe what is going through my mind other than that word. And I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, but I curse a little. It's okay. Literally was in her podcast app. It was phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. Which, which I, I applied for the show before you guys hired me. I do want to say that. So 
Yeah, that was back whenever our email wasn't working. And also, oh my gosh. we were so... Yeah, PSA. Up, uh, ...in regards to... That was everything, a thing, hence why we hired you because that was a that was a season two thing. Uh turns out our <laughs> that email that we all encouraged that we encouraged you to email, yeah, that wasn't working, but it is working now. So podcast at lionrock.life. It is working now. You will get a response. And AJB is like on it. She's so fast at get getting responses back in. So it, we you will be hearing from us if you contact us this season a lot quicker. Worst case scenario, you can email me at Ashley at lionrockrecovery.com. So if you worse if if the email doesn't work. You did it. You put it out there for him. We're I good. Was I did. She did it. Oh man. Ash, you should see Ash's email inbox. <laughs> yeah, it's a little no no uh, I'm not no- sure it's I'm not sure it's any better than the non-working podcast email, <laughs> but you know, at least it gives you a second avenue. Oh my we God. Did, we did figure out the tech behind what happened with the podcast email. It took about three or four days. <laughs> we figured it out. So we're good to go. Good to go. Okay. What else we have? Okay. So we've been recording season three. Uh, we've been doing batch episodes, have some great episodes for you. Topics coming up. Son of a defrocked Catholic priest. He loses his standing with the Catholic Church. We have losing a child, grief, loss, suicidal. We, I'm, I'm really making this sound like really uplifting. We have suicide. We got grief. We got losing a child. We got it all. Whatever you need. A heroin to Harvard. Son of two attorneys gets in legal trouble with the Kansas Bureau of Investigation. Never a never a good sign. But we have some really incredible stories of recovery and overcoming. And an episode uh, with my sisters, which is always a uh, an interesting, fun time. And uh, we have some things coming up for Pride Month. What else? What other months are we celebrating? What's happening? Uh, so we're doing a special episode on the anniversary of George Floyd's death, and we're going to be bringing Andre Roberts back for that. He oh, has agreed to come back him. for that. Right. I know. Oh my gosh. Seriously. Love him. Whenever I did his prep call, I was like, did we just become best friends? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. He's like, oh, we're going to be in yeah. touch for the rest of our lives. And I love his storytelling style. He's so much fun to talk to and just always, even behind the scenes, has so much insight that he can share and, and wisdom. And so we're really, he's really excited to be featured on, the, on that episode. We're so excited to have him back. And AJB, you want to talk about the Where Are They Nows? Yeah. So something that we're really excited about is doing a Where Are They Now episode with some of our former guests coming into the show, having listened to every single episode. Um, somebody else brought it up as an idea. And I said to Christiana and Ashley, that's actually an awesome idea because one of my questions is, how are these people doing now? Like what's going on now in 2020? The world as we know it changed. And we're going to be touching base with some of our guests and finding out what their recovery looks like now in 2020 into 2021 and very excited to hear just where they're at, how things have changed. Maybe they haven't, but how they're doing today. It's so exciting to have that. And another thing that's going to happen is we are currently working on getting more experts. So uh, Dr. Starr, if you guys remember from episode 26, that was a huge episode that continues to get a lot of listens. And so we're really trying to pay attention to what our listeners are asking for. And so one of the things that we are working on is getting more experts on specific subjects to come in and to give their knowledge and talk about that more. So we're figuring out, we want to feature some of them on after the episodes. There could be bonus episodes or more interviews, but just know that that is in the works. And we're really, really excited about that too. It's going to be awesome. Yes, it I'm really excited. I really I'm really excited about adding these, you know, these specialist interviews because I think, you know, I'm kind of tired of hearing myself talk about these topics and I love a new perspective. I'm sure you guys would love a new perspective and hearing from people who this is their specialty whatever the topic is and they can really, you know, give us great feedback advice and give you guys a resource to, you know, for looking up 
information about it. So I'm really excited about that. Get to interview, um, do a different type of interview, more informational type of interview along with our storytelling. And I'm going to try to keep some of our interviews a little bit shorter because I know you guys, I know I know some of the feedback is that they're hard, it's long to listen to. I have a really hard time cutting people off when they're telling great stories, but... Sorry, my episode was like two hours, so we might know some see, of but that. That's like, you're like, like we're going to be shorter. I'm like, oh shit. No, <laughs> no, no. But see, I don't, I don't want to be shorter. But I, you know, I give the people what they want. But yeah, that'll be for some of them. We'll see. Not for everything, but for some. Yeah. And uh, what else? What else is happening? Oh, <sighs> yes. Let's say season three. We have instituted a new law. This is a law. <laughs> Correct. A new law. It's a law of courage to changing. And the new law is that the beginning of each episode is going to start with an embarrassing, funny, childhood-esque hair photo, haircut photo. So every guest who we can convince is going to give us a childhood photo, funny photo of their hair. Like the hair has to be funny. Some people have more funny hair from their 20s. So that's been, uh, we have we have one really good one from his 20s. And that is how we open the episode talking about this photo. And the photo, so I'll be talking about the photo. I'll be looking at the photo. The guest will be telling me about the photo. And the photo will be published on our Instagram with the episode. So when you listen to the episode, I'll, I'll try to describe it for you, but go to our Instagram courage to change podcast. Is it underscore podcast? Underscore podcast. Go to our Instagram courage to change underscore podcast. When you listen to the episode and you'll find the photo that goes with the episode so that you know what we're looking at and talking about. We've had some, We had some good stories behind it. It's a fun way to get started. It's going to be great. And we have to thank our wonderful new addition, Ashley Joe, for this because she's. This is 100% her fault. Talking about this is how it came about. She was talking about it in her story and then texts me and Ashley a picture of of this this horrible haircut that she had. How old were you? Amazing. Fourth grade. Oh, God. And And you went from. So really long. super long hair to a bowl cut. Yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to give too much away, but it's we're not really impressive. It and we were it's... like, are you kidding me? And then that's whenever I think both of the Ashley's came up with the idea, like, Oh, we've got to feature it at the beginning of every episode. And it's been so much fun. It's been great. And I'm so grateful that we are starting with this. Cause it's amazing. And I mean, I yours, Ashley, and then there's another one, the one with the, <laughs> the picture shaped into the back of the man's head, which I won't give away, but pretty epic. Those are, are probably top of the line, but I know I'm sure we will get other incredible ones. And really, I think we have to thank my mom for this idea, actually. That's a really good she's point. She's the one who gave the haircut. So no, you're thank right, you, mom. <laughs> thank you, mom. Thank you. I think you're totally right. We need to thank your mom because this is really not your doing. <laughs> as we were not my doing at all. Yeah, as we found out. Yeah, so that's I don't know, I don't think I have any other That's updates. the excite I was to say those are the exciting things coming up. If you would like to be considered as a guest, then please fill out our podcast guest application. You can find it in our link tree in the bio on our Instagram. You can also find it at our website which we are at lionrock.life slash courage to change podcast and under contact, you'll be able to find the podcast guest application. If you do not hear from us right away, it is not because we are not interested. It's because we have a lot of applications to go through and we also have a lot of recordings already for season three. But if you'd like to be considered, we would love to hear from you. So please send in the application. Awesome. Woohoo. All right. Well, I think that about covers it for season. Oh, I think there was one more thing. Do we want to do that? Yes. All right. So you heard from Ashley in our season two wrap up. If you if you got to 
listen to that whole thing. Our wrap-ups are where we give stats on what happened uh, from the season. And we talked about our highs and our lows. I would like to say my producer blunder was the email address blunder. <laughs> you know, little thing. It was things. a technical thing. Don't take responsibility for that bullshit. Yeah, but like who's in who's in charge of checking stuff like that? That's me. Okay, fine. It's all your fault. <laughs> but Ashley Low Blasting Game, our host. I now have to be like Ashley Low Blasting Game, our host, <laughs> AJB, our production coordinator. Ashley shared with you something very personal and intimate that happened in her life at the end, it kind of coming into the end of 2020 and where she went all of January. I know that if you are an avid podcast listener, you started hearing my voice and thank you for not jumping ship as you heard my voice continuously. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a reason for that. And so if you haven't gotten to hear the season two wrap up, then we wanted to give Ashley an opportunity just to talk about it. She has just this incredible, incredible story. And we really think that it's so pertinent to who she is, how authentic she is, how she lives her recovery out loud, and how committed she is to that. And we wanted to give her the opportunity, you know, just to talk through that and, and again, tell you where she was at and why, how she got there and what she's doing to live her recovery to this day. And so... Ashley, I wanted to kick it over to you and talk about kind of nearing the end of 2020. Why don't you kind of start with what was kind of going through your brain? What was, you know, things had started kind of piling up and maybe kind of go from there. Yeah. So, okay. So 2020 for me was a whirlwind because it was a whirlwind for everyone, obviously. For me, my experience was that my the company that I co-founded and had been working on for 10 years exploded in a good way right when COVID happened. And that was a result of, you know, being accessible online and having, you know, 10 years ago, my father and I and our business partner, Ian, we co-founded a company that offers addiction treatment online through video conference. And when we started that in 2010, it was, you know, widely shunned, so to speak, or or not accepted or thought to be stupid. And, you know, it took 10 years and we were gaining momentum, but then COVID hit and it was like off to the races. We tripled and it was just crazy. It was just a crazy time. And so the whole world falls apart. And this thing that we've been working on for 10 years goes really well. And it was a really weird, like unsettling feeling. And I tried really hard to manage that. And then also a lot of my life didn't change because I'm, I, you know, I'm finishing my MBA and I, you know, the kids and, and I'm, I, I can work from home. So, you know, my husband started working from home, which was actually really great. And, and then the kids had to be home, which was not really great. And um, and then I was working. So I, I didn't do a lot out of the house or out of the office before COVID. But the few things that I did do really kept me stable. And I didn't know that. And so those things were taken away. All Those things were taken away from all of us. So it was, you know, we were all experiencing that. But it took a while for me to realize that I was kind of being deeply affected by it, like the depression stuff. I struggle with clinical depression and um, I'm not one of those people who has highs, you know, like the people talk about like, you know, you know, when you're bipolar, you have high highs, low lows, like I just like low, <laughs> like there's, it doesn't go up. And, and, but it was a slow burn. It was a slow burn. There was a lot in, in the stress and, and then also doing well, you know, company wise, it was a, just a really, you know, I, I don't want people, I'm not asking for sympathy, but I will say there's something very strange feeling about having this thing you've worked on for 10 years do well, right? Do well because the whole world falls apart. You know, that's like a, it's a really weird, not fun feeling. Like it doesn't make you feel good. It's not like, wow, I'm so excited that this thing I've worked so hard for is doing well and da da da. I mean, it was exciting to have a resource for people, but not to capitalize or whatever your words you want to use, not to do well on the backs of this horrible thing happening. And 
Yeah. And so it was a slow burn. And I went out and did a lot of press around our free resources. So I was talking, <laughs> I was talking a lot like on TV and blah, blah, blah about the, um, how to like stay sober during the pandemic and this whole thing. And so to clarify with that, I just wanted to jump in real quickly. She was doing something called SMTs, which are satellite media tours. So you were not going into television studios, but you right. were yeah, yeah, yeah. being booked by, you know, by an agency and being booked. So on top of everything that was kind of ramping up, your responsibilities ramped up by about 180% and you're being booked and you're starting your workday a lot of times at 3 a.m. Because whenever you're doing satellite media tours and you're speaking on broadcast TV, you have to go by Eastern Standard Time. So Ashley would have to get up at 3 in the morning to be ready by 4 in the office, you know, away from the kids. So now your routine's been bumped completely off again. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, yeah, that was crazy. But I, I think what was what the burn about that was that and this is really interesting. And I think it's kind of what happened last year, which was, you know, I'm going on as an expert on these TV shows, right? That's, that's what they're using, you know, my opinion or whatever as, and a subject matter expert and, and also a person in recovery. And I'm talking about how people, how to stay sober, how to stay well <laughs> during the pandemic. Right. And I don't realize at the same time that like my mental health is degrading and then there's also this voice in my head that's like, you know, you're out there telling people how to how they can get help and like you can't fall apart, right? Like you can't fall apart because people rely on you to have this, you know, like you can't fall apart. And I also was telling myself that everyone is falling apart. You're not special. You know, you're falling apart the same way everyone else is. And so, and like not only that, but and falling apart is the wrong word. I was telling myself, that everyone, that so many people have it so much worse than I do and that I should be grateful. I should be grateful. I should be grateful. I should be grateful. That was the, that was the stuff going on in my head. And while that's true, what I wasn't doing was acknowledging that I was struggling because I was, because my, I had decided that everyone, that so many people had it worse than me. And I saw this a lot with people online. People, we would say like, you know, people would talk about str being struggling and then they would say, but I know so many people have it worse than me. And so I was doing that in my head about like, I can't complain or I can't talk about what I'm going through because so many people have it worse than I do. And I think what that led me to do was to not like to not be really aware of the slow burn, burnout and um, depression that I was falling into. So anyway, in towards the end, and the end of the year is always hard for me. Every sobriety date I've ever had has been at the end of the year or the beginning of the year. And uh, it's my birthday. It's holidays. It's just like, oh, it's dark. I suffer from seasonal affective disorder. It's just like all of the things. There's two holidays in a row and we travel a lot for the holidays. And we're not home much. And so after Thanksgiving, my food starts to fall apart. Like my food starts to really fall apart. And if you've heard on this podcast, you know that like that's been a struggle for me um, going to OA, Overeaters Anonymous and working on my food stuff. And like, I can't eat sugar or flour. And that's been something I've been really working on with Brightline Eating and this whole thing. And my food starts to fall apart. And and like, I, I know I'm aware that I'm not going to be able to put it back together myself. Like, and I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the things you know, going to meetings, I'm calling my sponsor, I'm going to OA meetings, I'm looking for solution, I'm telling people I'm struggling, I am doing meditation, yoga, like I am doing all the things because I know what to do, right? I'm, I'm almost at this point, I'm almost 15 years sober and like I know what you do when you're struggling. And so I start to implement all those things, all those things I talked about on TV and all that stuff. Like I started to do it because I was like, okay, this is what you do. And none of it worked. And none of it was working. None of it was making me better. In fact, it was making me more tired because I just, I had even less time than had I not been doing anything. So it was just like not working and I was more tired because I was trying so hard. And every time the coping mechanism would fail or like, i.e. not help, I felt I would drop deeper into the depression because my coping skills weren't working. And then also tell myself that I have it really good and that I, you know, shouldn't be complaining and this whole thing. Meanwhile, my husband is watching this whole thing and, and I'm, I'm, it's getting worse. And so long story short, 
you know, the food starts to keeps deteriorating, whatever. And after my birthday, um, which is December 27th, uh, I'm at my parents' house and I ate a bunch of food that makes me like, just like I continued to eat and then ate a bunch of food that pretty innocuous to probably most people. But for me is just like the devil. And, and I couldn't get out of bed the day after my birthday. And like the kids were crying and needed me and my husband needed me and it was time to go. And I, I literally looked at him and was like, I can't get out of bed. And he was like, what do you mean you can't get out of bed? I'm like, I cannot get out of bed. In uh, November, my best friend had gone away to this, my best friend and I struggled with the same food stuff and she had gone away to this place. And so at the time in November, I booked nine days, 10 days in January to go to this place. So I had already planned early or at the end of 2020, like to go away for nine days. I had organized, you know, childcare. I had organized like all the stuff. And, and I was just kind of biting my lip until I got there. Cause I knew that that was going to be the thing. And so on December 28th, when I woke up and was like, I can't do this. I, you know, my parents were there, husband's there, blah, blah, blah. Of course, everyone has to be there. And, uh, and I said that like, I'm really concerned about my sobriety. I think that if this keeps going this way, like I'm going to really struggle to stay sober and the food problem and that like, I really need to go away to this place. And I was saying like, I can't wait to get there because I feel like that, I feel like that's safe. Like that's the safe haven. Like I just need to get there. And so my family was like, why don't you go now? And, and we, you know, we were talking and my parents both like were crying and it was an interesting experience because my husband who wasn't, who doesn't know me loaded. Right. And has a very different reaction to the idea of me loaded. Like he doesn't want me loaded, but that's like not something he can picture. Whereas my parents, when I say like, look, and I, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't saying like, I'm going to drink right now. That was not, I, I clearly said that's not the case, but I was saying like, I don't know. I don't know what the length of time is, but I know that this is not, this is not good for my sobriety. This is, this is not something that can be sustained and me stay sober a long time. And were, were you just to capitalize on that? Yeah. Real quick, were you noticing patterns that you'd noticed in the past or is like this thought, something that thought patterns? Life? Like, yeah, yeah. Like I had the thought that I had the thought a couple of times that with like the food stuff that if I drank that the food stuff would go away because it would be overtaken by the alcohol problem and that I knew how to deal with an alcohol problem so I could get sober from the alcohol problem and then put off dealing with the food problem. Stay tuned to hear more in just a moment. I want to interrupt this episode to have a short little discussion about support groups. And there is no better person to talk to about this than my production coordinator, Ashley Joe Brewer, AJB, if you will. AJB, hi. Hi. Okay, you're a big fan of community. You attend community support group meetings. Give why? Why why should people care? I absolutely love community because it creates a community. And I know that sounds funny, but it truly provides a space for anyone and everyone, no matter what they are going through. Just to give you an example, I invited or told a friend about community because she was really struggling with binge eating disorder and had gone to many different groups and felt shunned or not accepted or like it wasn't a place for her. And at community, she found a place because in community meetings, it's we don't care what the substance is or what the struggle is. Everyone is accepted no matter where they are in life, no matter what they are recovering from. And I think that's what's beautiful about community. Oh, I love it. And I, I yes, I 100% agree with you that the value is that you don't have to know what your problem is, what your struggle is, what you want to give up or not give up, or whether you're abstinent or whether you're stopping one, whatever, whatever it is, you are welcome and you are welcome in this place. And it's a great place to discover the answers to all the questions that you're looking for in a community and have that support. And it's free to anyone. You go to lionrock.life. And there is a tab with community meetings. 
There are different days, different times, different subjects. There's even a cooking group called Community Table. There are so many different options, something out there for everyone. So I highly recommend, maybe after you listen to this, if you are looking for more community in your life, more friends, more support, please, please go check out community, lionrock.life. Click that community tab. Wow. So you knew enough from, you know, because at this point, you're 14 years sober, you're 15 years coming up January 7th. Mm -hmm. And so you're literally at that peak, you're, you're ready to kind of roll over into that. And so you, you know, enough from walking in your recovery, not to ignore those thoughts, not to push those thoughts away any longer. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm like, Jesus, that's <laughs> like, I'm thinking to myself, like the logic you know, it's like I joke a lot about addict logic. Like I love addict logic because it's so funny. It's just the funniest thing, right? It's the most ridiculous, asinine thing. And I was like, whoa, that's some serious addict logic, right? Like I'll drink so that I can not deal with my eating disorder because I know how to get sober. Like, and I could pick that apart 10,000 ways. And I did. Like luckily, luckily that voice in my head that said that was also like, I was like, whoa, that's, that's some, that's some scary thought. Like that's some scary thinking. And, you know, I think that's where the disease is. Like we talk about the diseases, you know, alive and well, like doing pushups. Like, you know, some people describe themselves as recovered and and maybe they are, but that's just not my experience. Maybe they're recovered, but like, it's just not my experience. But my experience is that my ongoing recovery is the thing that responds to that voice and goes, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? What are you talking about? Like, what kind of bullshit, even if that was true, even if it was true that I could do that, what kind of avoidance, like, what kind of you're willing to put your family through? Like, it's just all the stuff, right? And so, but I had this plan already in place before things got really bad to go to this place. And so, again, I was just holding on till I could get there. And it was, you know, it was a 10 day thing. It wasn't that big of a deal, right? Like, it didn't you know, 10 days, whatever, like it's a retreat. And, and then, so this happens and my parents are like, you know, my, my dad, my, we're sitting having the conversation in the room that I overdosed in. And if you guys, if you guys heard the, like my dad talking about the overdose, like we're literally sitting on the couch in the room where I overdosed. And like, my dad is in tears and like really upset because they can see how much, like how, how well I'm not doing, like how not, well, I'm doing, they can see it. They can, they know me well enough to know that like, and, and I'm saying to them, like, you're right. Like I'm not doing well. It's not good. And, um, and so that's very scary to everyone. Um, but it was interesting because my husband, you know, who's never seen me that way, like when he saw the reaction that my parents had to the same, like his reaction versus my parents' reaction to the same conversation, you know, his is much more that of the spouse and muted and contained. Whereas like it, he, I think it alarmed him how scared my parents were and made him, it definitely changed his tune of how scared he was because he, I think he realized like they've been through this. They know what this looks like. They know, you know, they know what the, the stakes are. And I think sometimes as the other person or the spouse, we like, we kind of forget it's, it pisses us off. It's like, you're, you know, and, and I get that. I get that. Like I was being, I was not being helpful to my husband. My husband needed me and I couldn't show up and that would piss me off. Um, so it's just like a very different responses, but you know, he was very much, you know, supportive and on board. And so they were like, why don't you go to this, you know, the place, why don't you go for 30 days? And I was like, 30 days, <laughs> that's like rehab, <laughs> you know, like I don't, you know, I'm 15 years, I'm about to be 15 years sober. Like it's my, it's my, the twins birthday in January. It's da, 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 da. Like I had all the things, right. All the things we say, all the things we say, I was like, I, you know, work full time. I can't leave work. I, you know, all the stuff, like who's going to do this, who's going to do that. And everybody, my husband and my parents were like, no, you need to go for 30 days. Like go take the time. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way I can get away for 30 days. I have way too many responsibilities. Well, it just so happened that school was on break all of January. And, you know, I talked to my team and blah, 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 blah. So I went ended up going to this place. And it's not really a traditional eating disorder place per se, but it is, it's called True North Health Center. And it's 
it's a nutritional health clinic for the things that I needed for my treatment. So I, that were to get me off of the sugar and the flour that I was consuming and to get me off of foods that were hurting my stomach and that were making me sick, making me depressed, making my antidepressants not work. When I eat sugar and flour, my antidepressants don't work. Whoa, I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why I'm able to like drop into these deep depressions. So like that's why when my food falls apart, it's such a nightmare because, because my then I can't, I'm not able to treat my actual clinical depression. And if I can't, treat my clinical depression, then I can't do all the coping skills that I have. So it's like a, it's a vicious cycle, right? Like if you're, if you can't get out of bed, you can't exercise to help your, you know, to help, to help with your depression. So it's like this, there's no up, right? There's no, there's no coming back, like, you know, trying to even out if you can't get out of bed. And I know that sounds crazy. Like, how can you not get out of bed? But it's, it is real. And uh, so anyway, I went there and I had a, like a phenomenal experience for me. And again, I want to be really clear that like, I'm not a spokesperson for this place. I'm not a spokesperson for, for, you know, the type of method that I did. Like every person who struggles with an eating disorder needs something different. And I don't pretend to know what anyone else needs. This is what I needed at this time. And I was able to, I did a 10 day juice fast, which helped get all of the <laughs> all of the like stuff out of my body was so helpful, like detoxing off of that stuff. It was really an incredible experience. Again, I know that's not like for some people that's really triggering for eating disorders. So I'm not a restrictor, never have been pretty incapable of restricting. And uh, so that was, I like literally thought, I've always thought that I was going to die between lunch and, you know, I would die between lunch and dinner if I didn't eat something. Like I didn't know that you could, you know, like literally it was like, well, you can make it like three hours without eating. So the idea of not eating any food for a period of time was just fucking bananas to me. I was like, no, you're going to, I'm going to die. And they're like, no, you're not going to die. So I didn't die. And that was really incredible. And it was also really incredible to like, my brain knows that if my brain now has the understanding that like, if the right food isn't available to me, I can wait for the right food to be available to me until like, and I'm not going to like, I'm not, the fear of hunger is much different. I was so afraid of being hungry. And then I found that I was less hungry when I didn't eat those things. So anyway, that was an incredible experience. Reintroduced food at different, like very different, um, or not very different, but like food without certain ingredients into my into my diet, which is really important for me. I had a ton of childhood allergies and sensitivities. I have a very sensitive constitution. I also was, I experienced chemical exposure. So I became very sick from a chemical toxicity. And so I've had to recover from that mold. So I just have a very sensitive system. And so it, removing a lot of ingredients that were agitating that, that may, that may be totally fine for other people was very helpful to me to see like, what's this? What's that? I literally woke up with a stomachache every single day. And I was just like, oh, it's my morning stomachache. Like just part of it, you know? And I, you know, like I'm finding that gluten is just like, I've tried to, I, I've been, you know, experimenting, like taking it out, adding it back in. And like, it, it gives me stomach aches, you know? And I don't want to be this, by the way, like, I'd just like to say for the record, like, I hate the fact that I'm this person that like, I don't eat this and I don't eat this and blah, 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 blah. And like, you know, I'm a sensitive, fragile soul. Like that is literally the last person on the planet I want to be. Also, I'm married to someone who is the exact opposite. He literally drinks milk from a gas station. Oh, like he and like eats meat that I... I'm sure is not made from healthy, <laughs> healthy animals, animals, right? Like we are, he's literally like grew up but in Houston, kind Texas. Of a garbage disposal. Like oh, doesn't really so get bothered by things. It's so nasty. Polar um, food opposites for sure. Polar food opposites. Literally like he's a meat and potatoes guy. I don't eat meat. I, I'm allergic to dairy. Like it's just, a, it's ridiculous. So anyway, so that was, uh, and, and yet, you know, this is the other thing. And yet like, my husband is the most supportive person because he lives with what happens. And like, 
you know, I've talked to people who are like, my husband under, doesn't understand. I'm like, my husband doesn't understand, but he sees. He, my husband doesn't, doesn't understand, but he sees what the op, like what it's like when I don't do those things. And he doesn't, you know, that's, so he's incredibly supportive and just been, you know, shout out to my husband. Fuck, man, he's been um, incredible. He took the twins and, you know, it was, so 30 days I went to this place. I came back February and did a bunch of, therapy while I was there around, um, and we can have some people come and talk about this polyvagal theory, which was very helpful. And basically what, what was happening was that, um, there, you know, there's three different states of polyvagal theory. There's the, the peaceful state, there's the middle state, which we mostly live in, which is kind of like anxiety, ambition, things that motivate us. And then there's collapse. And I was in collapse. I was fully in collapse. Like you cannot take collapse. I could not pull myself out. And a lot of the collapse was about the stories that I tell myself. A lot of it, so we did a lot of narrative therapy. And a lot of the narrative that I was telling myself was like, I, you know, you don't want to be different. You don't want to eat differently. Like just a lot of the stress about feeling different and a lot of the stuff I went through and that people go through when they stop drinking, which is like, I don't want to, I don't want to I don't want people to know I don't drink or I don't want to be the one person that's that's eating or, you know, drinking differently. I don't want to like all that, that story that keeps you sick and that was keeping me sick and keeping me making decisions that were literally harming my body and my family and my life. And it was just the same cycle. And that's why I've talked a lot about like, I will use whether with or without my permission. So if I want to use with my permission, I need to be involved in the decision-making about what what we're going to focus on because it's just who I am. And if I'm not involved in that decision making or I try to deny it or I try to, you know, what use maladaptive behaviors, that's what happens. And that's what happened. So um, it was a really, you know, it sucked doing it with little kids because my little kid, you know, my boys, that was a bummer, you know, uh, that was a bummer. But I, I, um, for people that may be new to the show, Ashley does have four-year-old twins. They just turned four this year, January 11th, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you celebrated your 15-year sober birthday, yep. January 7th. So you knew... Both of those things happened while I was away. Like right. my kids celebrated their fourth birthday without me. And it was... That was a real... You know, I FaceTimed in and and I lost it at one point. Just like they, you know, they don't care. They're having, you know, I was laughing. I was like, they had like pizza, donuts, and cookies. You know, and just I was like, Jesus, uh, my poor kid. You're like, I can't have yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so literally. enjoy. Yeah, and like I had to have conversations with them. Like, mommy's at the doctor to help her tummy, and so like now it still comes up. Like, mommy, are you going to the doc? You know, I, there, it's not. But what I realized and what happened was like. I I had skin in the game, right? Like I had to make a decision. Like I, I lost out on something that was worth what I did, but I had, it was a sacrifice. Like I had to make a sacrifice and it affected my family. And so I think for me, it was a very concrete way of, it was a very concrete way of like, you think your eating disorder, like what I eat doesn't matter. Like you don't see it the same way as drugs and alcohol. But if it brings you back to them or it brings you back to that emotional place, then it's just as damaging. And I had this experience of being like, oh my God, like I have to go away now. Like I, I like we didn't want to put it off long enough for me to, cause I was like, well, put it off long enough to be there for the kid's birthday and da da da. And it was like, I don't want to do two more weeks. Like I'm not well. And to like celebrate my 15 years sober there and to, you know, have my kids have their birthday, you know, that was, that was a real, like, this shit is serious. This is not, you know, not a joke or not, not, not a like, oh, it's just the food, you know, we'll just struggle along. This is not, this is, this is real. And, and people are going to suffer. And that was kind of the thing, like your children are going to suffer if you do not take this more seriously, like for real seriously. So, you know, that experience was good. And then coming back was, has been a whole other experience, which has been tough. Definitely talk about that because I think there's so many times we, you know, talk about what needs to be done, the treatment that's necessary. And then the aftermath isn't talked about because there's a lot of people within kind of the, the normies community, if you will, that think, oh, you send them away and they should be fixed, right? And that's not the case at all. And also people who are sober 
need to also know that there is a transition period coming back and there's things that you need to be paying attention to as you reintegrate your life and you're going from what you've treated into back into your life and your responsibilities and taking things back on. So definitely expound upon that because I think that's super important. Yeah, that that part, I forgot what this was like. Um, and I also, I, you know, I didn't go to treatment as an adult. There's a very, you know, I didn't have anything when I went away early. It, you know, it was a very different experience. But yeah, it was a, you know, when I was there, I was not in school. I was not working. I, everything was taken care of in a way that it literally is never taken care of. Like the amount of stuff that I do when I'm home and, you know, in mom work, school mode is just a whole other level. And so like, I had a break, like a real break. Like I slept, you know, I, I wasn't up at night. I, you know, a lot of, a lot of that kind of thing. And so taking care of yourself in optimal conditions is great and very doable. (laughs) I even was able to get off some of my medication and blah, 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 blah. However, when you get back, there's this like idealism of what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. And there's a reason why you got to the place that you did, right? And so, you know, that shit doesn't change overnight and or 30 days or whatever. And some of it isn't changeable. And so, you know, my kids getting up at night because they're like that, some of that stuff, like sleep deprivation, that's just, that's just the name of the game. That's just part of being a parent, you know? And so imperfect sleep, you know, responsibilities, all that stuff. And like, I, I, was like, oh, okay, so I have to work within this framework, you know, and I realized, but it was good because I realized like what was affecting what, like, okay, in perfect conditions, I can be okay. Like I'm not broken. I, you know, I'm under a lot of stress and I have to manage it differently. So, and coming back with the food. So that stuff, I mean, it's been hard. It's been hard, really hard. And it's, and I've been doing it imperfectly, you know, <laughs> like I, you know, like I, I, I developed a problem with dates, <laughs> you know, like I'm eating, I'm not eating sugar or flour, but like I started eating too many dates, you know, and like, you know, and I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's natural and like, it's, you know, then just like loony shit. And, but it's been, it's been a lot better and I've felt a lot better. And I, you know, it's like one step, forward two steps you know or whatever one step forward two steps back and and I'm making progress like I'm moving in the right direction I have an awareness I'm reaching out for help I understand I'm not in collapse so that was really like it got me out of collapse and yeah I've had to have a lot of conversations with my kids which have been hard like they're like you know when I go to my office outside of the house they're like you know are you coming back you know stuff like mommy don't leave I want you to stay here forever are you going to the doctor? Mommy, can you eat that or does it hurt your stomach? You know, there's just a lot of conversation around it. And I've had to say, I've had to have several conversations with, you know, one of my boys about like, I left for a period of time, but I'm back now and I'm not leaving again. And I had to go be close to the doctor. <laughs> He'd be like, are you sleeping at the doctor's? I was like, he's going to go to the park and be like, my mommy's sleeping at the doctor's, you know? Um, and I'm like, well, I was sleeping near the doctors, you know, just conversations. And and you just, I never, do, you know, I know a lot of people deal with this and I never, I didn't have jack shit when I got sober. There was no, you know, there was nobody to, to answer to. And so it was just interesting. It was a, it was an eye-opening experience. And I'm just really grateful that I was able to like, for real grateful that I was able to do that. Like, I know that that is a fucking once in a lifetime opportunity and that I got it, like everything lined up and everybody was really supportive and like showed up for me, really grateful. People showed up for my husband while I was away and that was just wonderful. And like, now I have to, you know, back that up with, with action and, and really just grateful. And it was just like the next phase of my recovery. Like why, why do I, I don't know where I got this idea that I shouldn't have to go get help. Like, why wouldn't I have to go get help? Like what? I don't know, you know, but it just felt like I'm 15 years sober and like I'm turning 15 years sober in treatment. Like really, you know, at, at this age, at this stage in the game. And it was like, actually that's a privilege because I think a lot of us need it and can't get the time, can't afford it, can't whatever, you know, find the people to watch your kids, whatever it is. And, and I do, those were the things I believed about the situation too. 
Um, I didn't think I could do any of those things either. And like all the pieces fell into place, but I felt like it, I, like I, I was like, oh man, I'm admitting defeat or admitting weakness by doing this, by going in. And, you know, there's some shame around that about like admitting that that's where I had like that that's how I was doing, right? Like I felt like I should I should be doing better. And where I came to was like, no, fuck that. Like I went and got help when I needed it, which is a sign of of progress and recovery and like what we should do. And if someone else I knew did the same thing, like, you know, do I still have that feeling in my stomach right now of like, oh God, this, you know, this stuff. But like, I also know that if someone, if I heard someone else saying it, I'd be so proud of them. Like, I'd be just like, yeah, go to fucking treatment. That's awesome. And like, I remember when um, Dax Shepard came out about relapsing after 16 years and I was like moved, moved, truly fucking moved about how brave it was to say that because I know I would be mortified and like how brave it is to just be that authentic. And so I, I, you know, I still am like, no, like this, this is useful to help somebody shut up, stop worrying about what your ego or what other people think about you. Tell them what, you know, how you're doing it, what it is, and that's it. And stop worrying about it. And so that's kind of, you know, that's the goal. I love that you brought up the mom aspect because you, you just stated that you, when you got sober, you didn't have kids. So when I got sober, I did have kids. I do have kids and that I lead a women's meeting. And this is something I hear time and time again is mothers struggling with differentiating self care versus selfish. And when you're people like us, Ashley, we need to be really careful about how we differentiate those two things because our mental health is so important. And it's something I hear time and time again is, you know, what's the line between taking care of my family and then taking care of myself? And at what point do I get to a point where if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't take care of my family? And so I look at you and I'm so proud of you. I look up to your sobriety beyond belief. Like, my God, I'm at seven, between seven and eight months sober. I look at someone like you who has 15 years and I'm like, I want what you have for you to recognize this and to say, I love my children. I love my family. And I am going to go and do this because I'm going to be able to come back and be a better mom. Like, I'm so proud of you for doing that because I struggled with that for two and a half years with alcohol before, before I could figure out how to do that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I hurt my kids by going. I know that. I see that. They've said things to me that like, I know that they're, I don't regret going, but I know that I hurt them. I see it. I hear it. You know, I'm my kid said to me the other day, oh, mommy, you know, uh, this one, you know, he like injured himself while we were, while I was gone and he was, you know, he's like bleeding everywhere or whatever. He's fine. But he, um, and he, I said, you were so brave, you know, and, and dad took such care of you. And he said to me, yeah, you were at the doctor and I really wanted you to be there. And he in particular, Jackson is very afraid of me leaving again. And I, I see it all the time. And he, he's angry about it and I can see that. And so that sucks. Like that is painful. And that my, that my eating disorder, right? Like my eating disorder, not my alcoholism, like not my, not my, like, you know, nothing happened at our house. Like I didn't see, you know, compared to what it used to look like for me to fall apart, nothing. I mean, I managed, I still, my job, my, you know, whatever, but you know, what I understood that I had never understood before or never experienced before was like, sometimes you have to do things that are going to disrupt and upset the homeostasis of your family in order to save them from further wreckage. And so when I talk to my kid who is terrified that I'm going to leave again or whatever, like I'm coming up on having to go away for a week and I'm so nervous about like explaining to him that I'm going to come back and being gone for that period of time. But making a sacrifice for a long-term thing is really important. And it's really weird to feel like I did something that hurt my kids that I had to do for me. 
and I had to, and, and ultimately for them, but that I had to do for me, like that feels so unnatural, <laughs> like just yuck. And, and yet it was the right decision, even in the face of, of having these shitty conversations that I have with them now. And I just think of like my, my own situation too, and having to take the time to take care of yourself so that you can ultimately take care of your kids in the long run. The beautiful part about what you're saying is, yeah, your kids are struggling with this. Mommy had to go away, but they never had to see mommy in that really dark place that we know you could have gone to. And that's so it, it's the gift they'll never know they got. You know what, well, I, that's mean? what I mean? That's the thing is that they don't, they don't know that that's, they don't know that, that I did that, right? Like their perception is, is not that, that I was saving everyone from that or whatever you, however you want to look at it. Like their perception is not that. And I have to, that has to be okay. It ha, it has to be okay that they don't know that. I don't get to explain that to them. I don't get to defend myself. I don't get to pretend I didn't hurt them. I don't like none of that. What I get to do is be like, I made the right decision and it hurt some people. And that's why it's really important that I, that I continue to recover. That's it. And I, I that's like, that's recovering, right? It's like, I don't, I'm not going to sit there and explain to them how, why it could have been worse. No, like I, I just get to absorb it and tell them I love them. And I'm not leaving them. Mommy went to, you know, like all the things I had to go to the doctor, all of that's true. But yeah, it's a different, it's a really different thing. And it also is a glimpse into like why I cannot afford to, you know, lose my sobriety. I mean, seriously, like it is, you know, I am just not one of those, you know, the, we've had people on here talk about the ability to drink normally after being a heroin addict or whatever it is, like the ability to not be abstinent or fully abstinent and still lead a great life and more power to them if they can do that. That is not who I am. And, and I'm really clear on that. Really, really clear. And this was just like another, you know, an, another, like almost like another security wall that built up to like hold up my sobriety for another, hopefully 15 years. So yeah, it was a really, it's been a really intense, incredible, you know, as all recovery things are intense, credible, unpleasant, <laughs> you know, elation, terrible, blah, blah. And I really, you know, I wanted to be fixed. I wanted to, like, I'm not, I'm not fixed, by the way. <laughs> right, right. You know, I'm not fixed, but I was able to get off sugar and flour and I was able to do those things and get some, and get, get back some stability. And yeah, so that's where I was. That's what I did. That's what happened. And, um, you know, onto this next phase of, of recovery. Well, thank you for sharing. It's so relatable. The other thing that if we could go back to it for just one second, because I'm really early in my sobriety and I related when you said this was if I drink, maybe my eating will get under control and I know how to get <laughs> sober. But right. I did that. I was a self-harmer. And so I actually did that when I was in the worst of my addiction. I said, if I start cutting, maybe my drinking will get under control. And so props to you for recognizing that thought in your head as being super messed up because while it is super messed up, it's also very normal when you struggle with addiction. Totally. Cause the truth is, is like, I'm like, yeah, I know. I, like I know what the deal is for, but it also for, for drugs and alcohol, like how to do that. And clearly I don't, you know, I wanted to do something I knew, right? Like being in new territory is scary to me. You know, people ask, consider me a subject matter expert and I'm like flailing, right? Like, that sucks. And, and, uh, you know, but the other piece to that, that assumes that I can get sober again. And I've seen so many people make that assumption and not make it back. And, and I think that that's the piece that like, I want to be really clear about, like, just so you know, there are no guarantees that you can get sober again, really for real. And I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen with people who 26 years sober and died from drinking again drinking, no other drugs. And, you know, a friend of mine who was a yoga teacher, 26, I mean, seriously, like just mom, yoga teacher, whatever, died within six months. And so there really aren't guarantees that you can make it back. And I think that's a really important piece of the lie to respond to, to like me saying, oh, if I drink again, then I can focus on getting sober and not my eating disorder. Like that assumes that I can get sober again. And that's 
that's an inaccurate assumption. That's so good. And I, I, I think that this is so pertinent and, and we really appreciate you being so open and honest, you know, with sharing your journey through this, because just like you said, it, it, this is a disease and it's a disease of the brain that tells you that you don't have a disease and there are lies. There are lies that come whenever you're, you're dealing with it. And as a mom to be, I cannot imagine the journey and the pain that you had to go through to look into those kids' eyes and to say the things that you had to say, you know, and to, and to want to be somewhere, but knowing that, hey, it, it's either, and I can't explain this to you, it's either you don't have me temporarily or you don't have me forever and you grew up without a mom or you grew up seeing a mom who's, it's not even me. It's, it's, it's some hollow shell of a version of who I, who I am or who I was. And that's just, I think to me, I think that's just so powerful to be able to like walk that through and, and, and come out the other side and, and still be like dealing with that on a daily basis and still be walking forward and knowing and understanding that these are some of the things that may have to happen. You know, if, if you do get to a point in, you know, whatever, whatever thing or issue you're struggling with, where you may have to face some really yucky decisions in order to do the right thing and things that are really hard. And, and specifically the fact that someone was hurt by it, you know, the, someone being your own child, it's heavy and it, it but it's truth. And Thank you so much for sharing that truth. And and Ashley Joe, thanks for chiming in too as a mom who's, you know, early in sobriety and and brought some great thoughts and some great insight as well. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your fearless leader. <laughs> this is why Ashley Love Blasting Game does this. It's um it's not something, you know, I personally understand, right? It's not something I can say I've walked through. I understand. I I know what's going through your brain. I have the highest amount of empathy that I can possibly have, you know, for your journey and for everywhere that you've been and everything that you've shared. And the amount, I mean, I know I always say this, but the amount of love I have for you is just infinite. And I look up to you so much. I know you're not perfect. (laughs) So I don't have you on a pedestal. I always have to clarify that. Ashley's like, don't put me on a pedestal. People shouldn't be on pedestals. But I just love that you're, you're living your journey out loud it's we now have a team member that it's helped and um and and I wanted to just say real quickly that you know you you'd said you know if I saw somebody who had to go back to treatment you know similar to Dax Shepard to get help you'd be cheering them on the whole way and I've seen that happen because we're connected to a lot of the same people on social media and there have been people there have been former guests um people that we know mutually who have had to go to treatment for whatever they're dealing with and I've I've watched you cheer them on. And and I think that's just the greatest part about this community and why I'm so obsessed with it <laughs> and 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 why like this is so valuable. This podcast is so valuable to give people that voice and and to talk about how, you know, I, I can I can relate it a little bit if I can draw a quick parallel to coming from, you know, a background where I grew up kind of like evangelical Christian and there's a lot of people that have an idea that if you reach a certain level of like pastor or leader, then you're this perfect human. And that is so not the case. I, I've, I really learned through finding out the hard way that everyone's human and has their own struggles and have things that they're ashamed about or want to sweep under the rug or, you know, it, it, no one wakes up having it all together because you've attained some level, right? It's It's waking up and having to make the right decisions, the hard decisions, and just be consistent on a daily basis. And so much of what I've observed within sobriety and recovery is the exact same thing. And being brutally honest with yourself, surrounding your, yourself with the, with the community that can be brutally honest with you. And to your journey specifically, Ash, knowing, knowing your body, knowing the things that trigger your body, knowing the things intimately after, you know, after doing your work and your research and having so many years of sobriety, knowing what is going to carry you specifically through and what works for you, um, which is just for you been like this overwhelming, you know, journey in order to figure that out and to keep that going and consistent. So just massive kudos. And thank you so much for being open and honest and, and willing to share this with our listeners. You know, I, I'd really encourage you guys to write in and and just let Ashley know what 
what this has meant to you and just encouraging her as she goes forward too. She's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I just, as we close, I want to say a couple things that I learned. And one was that you don't have to drink to go to treatment or to get help. And I think that, you know, in, I think in my head, that was part of what that voice was saying was like, if you do this, you'll go, it'll, it'll get you to get help. And you don't have to do that. Like you can get help while sober and there's no shame in your game. Like just, you know, you there are other, like you don't have to burn it down. Um, you don't have to drink in order to get help with the other stuff that's going on. Also, like there's a lot of, I'm like, are you serious? Like I was a fucking heroin addict and, you know, sugar and flour are going to take me down. Really? And there like a lot of shame around like the substance or the thing or the behavior, like, that, you know, I should be able to control this. I should be able to manage. I should be able, this shouldn't be a problem. You know, they say don't should, should all over yourself. And, uh, and I think like, it's really, I, I, what, if you're an addict, like if addiction is part of your makeup, anything can be deadly. Anything can be deadly. Whatever's deadly for you, whatever's your kryptonite, don't worry about what it is. Cause it's good enough. And so the thing, you know, I learned you don't have to get loaded to go get help. And it doesn't matter what the substance is. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the should be able to, because the should be able to is total bullshit. And it's going to keep you in the pain and suffering that you're experiencing. So those are my two like big things. Like you don't have to get loaded to get help for whatever it is. So good. So true. Well, I think that's Woo! That's season three coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, we want to thank you guys for tuning in and oh, we're just so excited about these interviews and, and the content that we have coming up for season three. Uh, next week, we've got not one, not two, but three lobes in the house. It is Ashley, Marina, Victoria, the Loeb sisters doing a special interview and they are kicking off season three with their shenanigans because they are so hilarious together. I'm so excited. I'm just so excited. It's going to be amazing. So make sure to tune in for that. Ash, you want to bring us home? All right. Season three. Let's do this. This podcast is sponsored by LionRock.life. LionRock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings, useful recovery information, and entertainment. Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meetings, schedule, and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at LionRock.life.